Hello and welcome to the Surgical Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, the Third Eye Doctor. Pull up a chair and get ready for some candid and uncompromising discussion with experts, innovators, agitators, and influential people from every corner of health and well-being. From inside the hospital to at home in the kitchen, we're leaving no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the secrets of healthier, happier, more successful, and less stressful lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and without further ado, let's meet this episode's guest. Hi, Robin. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, and and, um, you have a podcast yourself. Something about, you know, stress-free. I mean, you know, how can... I mean, isn't that sort of an oxymoron, you know, for for doctors, <laughs> stress-free doctors? Unfortunately, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's my job to teach them how they can get there. Yeah. yeah. Tell us more. Tell us more about the podcast. You know, how 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 did it come about, and and you know, what's the why? Well, the why really is, you know, they say make your mess your message. And I have to say that several years back, um, despite going into medicine and loving it and thinking it was the most amazing field ever, which I still do believe it's an incredible privilege to care for others. I ended up as one of those burned out, stressed out, anxious, depressed, suicidal docs. And it was at a time when nobody really talked about it. And I didn't know that I wasn't alone in how I was feeling. And it got to the point where I actually needed to figure out how to take care of myself because nobody else, no other doc could figure out what was the matter with me. And it was through these, I'll say, non-Westernized methods, but yet in the medical literature methods, that I came to actually heal myself. And so fast forward about a decade later of being in this space of sharing with others what I had learned. Um, so many people kept saying, everyone needs to hear what, what, what you have to say. And I thought the best way to do that would be to create a podcast, which I was initially resi- resistant to because right as docs, We got to get everything perfect and everything right. And I knew nothing about technology and microphones and, you know, all the apps and the software and all that. But I just, I learned and I've been doing it since last August. At this point, it's probably about six, seven months. And I haven't looked back. It's been really, really wonderful. I mean, what is it about podcasts that, that, that sort of really inspired you to start it? The ability to freely share with such a large audience, you know, I can only help people that find me through my programs, through my coaching, through my blogs, through everything else that I put out there, but basically being able to reach the entire world, anyone who needs your help can find you and they can do it for free. You know, they just have to put their headphones on and just listen to you. Uh, so the simplicity and the ease and the reach, the potential reach was what really drew me. And, and, and was, 
were there any podcasts that that you listened to at the time um, when you decided that podcast was the thing for you? Listen to a lot of different podcasts. Um, you know, a lot of podcasts that are related to you know health and wellness. Podcasts that are related to medicine. Podcasts that may talk about cooking. I mean, anything and everything. I had just started discovering podcasts at that time because. It was about, I'd say, a month or two before that, uh, that I started hearing about them. And I understand from my kids that it was the craze. And I said, oh, wow, that's what that little purple app is on my iPhone. And then I got really excited about it. So, you know, people that were very influential, like um, Brene Brown, um, you know, I was listening to my, uh, the head of my life coach school, uh, Brooke Castillo, um, you know, ultimately found your podcast, which I really love. And just it's really kind of a wonderful buffet of information out there. And anything that you want to learn about, it's it's there for you. Yeah, I mean, for, for, for me, it was actually very soothing for me, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that knowing that, you know, not just information's out there, but there are different perspectives out there. And for mm-hmm. me, you know, the thing that helped me a lot, you know, get out of my funk and my stress and burnout was actually changing my perspective of the current mm. situation that I'm in. And I got that from podcasts because it's two individuals having a conversation which can go in any direction uh, and at any tangent. And yet I was understanding someone else's perspective of a particular situation. And to a certain extent, you know, I can relate that to the situation or the problem that I'm going through that was causing, you know, negative consequences. Yeah, and that's a, that's a that's a wonderful lens to see that through as well. I have been educating in this area for about a decade, and it was mostly in-person workshops and courses and presentations. Um, the digital age and all of this online type education really wasn't that big of a part until the recent, more recent pandemic. So, you know, being able to talk to 50 people or a hundred people in person, 500 people sometimes versus thousands. I mean, podcasting just opens it up to you as a physician, always wanting to serve, to serve even more than you can imagine. So, yeah. And, and, you know, it, it, it also breaks down barriers. I, I remember um, uh, a colleague of mine and, you know, we never really got on and we don't really talk much um, either. We just got on with our work. She did her thing. I did my thing. And then one day she came to me and she said, oh, you've got a podcast. And I said, yes. And, oh, I listened to this episode. And instantly she was a different person. She, you know, all the barriers melted away. And she was like, and it was really amazing. I thought, wow. And, you know, my views changed of her and her views changed of mine. And, and you know, we kind of became, you know, a bit more human, so to speak. Mm. That's a beautiful way to, to see that. And I'm actually noticing that with non-healthcare professionals, more so than healthcare professionals who maybe would think, oh, she's the doctor. And they're like, wow, no, she gets me because I have all kinds of people listening. So actually breaking down the barriers of I'm this better person, I'm this higher person. And oh, she's just human, just like me. And she has a human brain, just like me. And she thinks just like me. You know, I found that to be really, really wonderful way to 
reach people as well. So I love that thought about barriers being broken down. I hadn't thought about that before, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't you feel a bit kind of uh, worried that, that, that you have to be careful about what you say and how you say it when, you know, you realize that some of your patients and maybe even the, you know, regulatory bodies are listening? Mm. Well, I transitioned out of Western medicine about 10 years ago. So I'm not actually practicing medicine. I am 150% practicing self-care education at this point. And I really am careful about giving medical advice. And I make that pretty clear um, to my clients, to people that listen. So most of what I'm sharing really isn't medical advice. And I hope to stay safe that way and that people stay safe that way as well. You know, so that's a good point because, I mean, Essentially, uh, what you're saying is that, um, you know, as long as you put a disclaimer there that this isn't mm. <laughs> medical advice, you can actually pretty much, uh, you know, have a reasonable amount of uh, open discourse. Um, you know, so that's a good insight. Take us back to a decade ago. T- t- mm-hmm. You know, let the listeners um, hear, you know, uh, what happened and uh, the transition and what was the story that, that, that unfolded. Yeah, that was a really dark time. I was pretty much at rock bottom and it didn't just happen. Like in retrospect, when I really, really look, I could see that different things were happening to me over time, probably beginning even as early as med school, definitely getting more in residency and then really showed its face while I was several years into practice. And the things that I experienced were many different types of physical symptoms, such as migraine headaches with this intractable vomiting. I mean, I'd never, ever in my life had a headache like that. And they just started coming on one after the next. I had vertigo where it was the point where someone would just call my name and I'd turn my head and the whole room would spin. I had tinnitus so loud that I couldn't sleep at night. My gums were bleeding, right? had no idea what that had to do with anything. Reflux was pretty intense and burning chest pain, no matter what I ate. I had pain in my body, like my whole body hurt. Like I would just wake up and I just, I felt like I couldn't move. Like I describe it as like being like the tin man from the Wizard of Oz where, you know, he needs oil and all of his joints. I mean, just everything hurt. And I had this really scary symptom, which happened at the most inopportune times where I'd have this numbness and tingling show up in my hands and my feet, these intermittent paresthesias as we call them in medicine. And it was the point where I couldn't cut vegetables while I was, you know, making a salad. I couldn't pull the trigger on a biopsy gun while I was in the middle of a biopsy. I mean, at times I just lost feeling in my hands and my feet. And of course, I really, really thought I had this debilitating neurologic disease, which was terrifying. And then with respect to my brain, my human brain was telling me all kinds of things. And it got to the point where I actually didn't even know if I wanted to be here anymore. Like I had these suicidal thoughts of just not really wanting to hurt myself so much as maybe better if I just wasn't here because it got that bad. I was stressed. I was anxious. I wasn't sleeping. I had no focus. Couldn't digest my food. I was yelling. I never yelled at anybody. I was incredibly reactive. Um, 
didn't even recognize who I was anymore. So that's the picture that I'm painting as to what was my rock bottom. And um, I went to lots of docs, right? I saw gastroenterologists, I saw neurologists, I went to a psychologist, I went to a periodontist, I, I saw all these docs and they put me on all kinds of pills. Everyone saw me as a specific symptom of what I was experiencing and gave me a pill for it. Of course, as a radiologist, I hopped in the magnet, I had all kinds of imaging studies, which were all negative. And nothing was. What was, was that experience better. like? What, 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 <clears throat> what was that experience like being a patient? Being a patient, oh, that's always hard, right? Because we have this ego, we have to drop that and say, hey, I need help. And I had dropped that over and over again. Um, what was more, most scary was being a patient and having the smartest people that you know not be able to figure out what's wrong with you. Being an interesting case, because we never want to be an interesting case. We always want interesting cases to figure out because we like figuring out puzzles. But when you're the interesting case, oh my, that is not fun. So it was really, it was actually really scary. Take this pill, you'll feel better. Mm -mm. Take this pill, you'll feel better. Mm -mm. Take this pill, or maybe it's this. Maybe you should get an imaging study. Oh, there's nothing going on with your spine. Your spine looks great. Your nervous system looks great. Everything's fine. You know, no bleeding problems. Why are your gums bleeding? I mean, on and on and on. And so um, it, it got to the point where I just didn't know who to trust anymore. And I was questioning even Western medicine, which I completely believe in. But why couldn't anybody figure out what's the matter with me? Uh, and even my mental health care professional, you know, I, super, super kind therapist, but it's just, just all that talking just still wasn't enough. Yeah. And, 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 and what was the, um, the tipping point? What happened? The tipping point really was that at that point I had two of my three physician colleagues at that point in my life die from suicide. I had a third one die a few years after. And I just remembered the last funeral I had been to. And I had this epiphany that, oh my gosh, like that's going to be you. Like you are heading down that same path. And I didn't want that. I had an amazing husband and two amazing kids and a great job and all these things peripherally on the outside looking in was that I had this perfect life which also brought a lot of shame and guilt and blame and the fact that I felt the way I was feeling on the inside, which didn't match how I was perceived on the outside. But I just said to myself, you've got to figure it out. Like you have to figure this out because you're going to end up just like your friends and you don't want that to happen to you. And you owe it to your family or to yourself. You owe it to your patients. You know, you got to put your big girl pants on and figure it out. And so that's what I did. And I started to look outside the box of traditional Western medicine. And I had seen an ad in a local paper for a 101 beginner yoga series. And I'd always turn my nose up at that stuff, you know, cause I know I called myself a gym rat and I really am. I still am. I'm always exercising and I would look at all those people either at the gym, in a room with the door closed, imagining what they were doing, which was totally wrong. I've come to understand. Uh, meditators had lots of preconceived notions about that. 
But uh, I kept hearing more and more about it. You know, I kept hearing that lots of famous people, sports figures, you know, people who were in, in movies and TV and really saying that this has really helped them. And so I grabbed my next door neighbor who is a nurse. I said, hey, you want to go out with me to this, this yoga series and check it out? And she did the eye roll, which I was doing the eye roll probably when I was telling her about it. And um, I said, look, if it's terrible, I promise you, we're going to have a really fun girls night out. I'm going to take you out to dinner. And she said, sure. So we went and I went with my towel between my legs. I walked into that studio and I was probably eye rolling when I was walking in there. And I, I took the first class and it was a very, very informal question answer kind of situation. It wasn't some strict, be quiet kind of weird thing that I thought it was going to be. And at the end of the first session, I just had this sense of calm. I was very clear. It was almost like the world stopped. And I just had this, this focus, this clarity, this clearness, this, this calm that I couldn't even remember ever feeling before. And if I had, it had been a really long time. And uh, I remember getting in my car and driving home and just, just not understanding what had just happened and walking in and, and just really hearing my kids talk to me for the first time, really listening to my husband, just being aware of what was in front of me and around me. And I said, well, I don't know what just happened, but I need to learn more about that. And so that was my very first experience of saying, okay, I'm starting to feel better and I'm not taking a pill to do it and I'm not talking to someone to do it. So maybe there's something physiologic going on that I haven't really understood before. And that was the beginning of my understanding that what happened was that I was really experienced extreme case of chronic stress. And it was back to our old studies of the autonomic nervous system and the imbalance of the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems that I was experiencing this lack of homeostasis. And that was just the beginning. Of, of this transition into my understanding of myself and, and what I'd been experiencing. Did you get a sense of sort of, you know, being angry and resentful that, that, that you know, you went down this path and, you know, forgetting the other path that you just experienced? Actually, I was kind of thankful because mm-hmm. I feel that the knowledge that I had as a doctor enabled me to understand what was helping me in a way that I wouldn't have understood before. I would have gone in and said, oh, this is making me feel better. But, you know, as doctors, we need to know the why. And so I feel like my doctor brain actually played a huge piece in my accepting and understanding of what was happening. And that it was just this big chunk of information that we were never educated in in medical school. It's almost like I was starting to complete my medical education and what I was learning. That's really how I, how I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the other hemisphere started to, to light up, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And talk to, they were talking to each other. Both hemispheres were talking to each other yeah. in a new way. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then what, what, what happened after that? Because, you know, um, 
something happened at work i i i'd imagine did did you start changing things at work yeah well i kept so i continued with that five week series and then i signed on to the studio and i got more and more into practicing the yoga and getting into meditation and seeing what i liked and what i didn't like cuz there're lots of different flavors right so different things and people started to notice a shift right my family really liked being around me my staff like wow, I want what she's having, you know, my, everybody really started to notice my kids' friends were coming over and they loved being around me and being at my home. And they actually even wanted to hang out at my house when my kids weren't around. They just felt calm and, and just really enjoyed being there, you know? Um, and, you know, as doctors, we want to learn more. So I really just dove into the medical literature and just found so much research substantiating what I was experiencing and really felt kind of ignorant to have not known that there was all of this literature out there documented as to the benefits of multiple different disciplines outside of what we learned. And I just went on to study, study, study more and more to educate myself. And in, in, in terms of work, did that change for you? Well, what changed for me was my experience with what was happening at work. I was able to be with things in a different way. It didn't change the fact that I was in a very caustic environment and I was still working with a lot of very miserable doctors that were had experienced what I had experienced. And then that trickled down to the staff and I was still being asked to do too much work in too little period of time and you know, really sacrificing quality for quantity and all of that. Um, and an interesting thing happened was that about a year before this experience of my, my epiphany into my own health, my mind and body, and, and this transition is that I really was thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I can't do this anymore. And I started working with a coach at the time. This was before internet. This was before, like, I think we had email. I don't think we had anything else. We used to talk on the phone. And she was actually a physician who herself had come out of residency and practice for a short period of time and didn't like it, ended up going into corporate wellness and started helping other doctors find non-clinical work. And she got so busy that she actually created an entire business doing just that. And so I had been working with a coach a whole year or so before this. And I decided you know, that I did love medicine, but I didn't really like how it had changed. You know, for me going into radiology initially, I was in a reading room with films and lots of doctors and it was very intellectually stimulating and very social. And I, I loved all the teams coming down and collaboratively working. And with the, with PACS and digital imaging, I ended up transitioning into being in a dark room by myself, talking into a dictaphone with voice activated transcription alone for nine, 10 hours a day. And unless I was doing biopsies or procedures, that's, that was my day. So I knew that I really hadn't liked the way that my particular specialty had changed. And I didn't see my happiness and joy in that specialty independent of my personal transformation really changing. So I was thinking about what else I could do for that entire year that I was working with that coach. And the why, the fork in the road, happened when 
the practice where I was working lost a contract with one of the hospitals, which meant that they had five extra doctors. And I had been a part-time physician because my husband was a full-time physician and I wanted someone to raise the kids. So the partners kept their jobs and the non-partners did not have their contracts renewed and it had nothing to do with how good you were or how experienced you were. It was just a matter of business. And that was actually my opportunity to either get another job, take a lateral move as a radiologist, another practice, or the path that I chose was to educate others in what I had learned because I knew there were so many people that were suffering. And I said, wow, there's so many doctors out there, so many radiologists. And yes, I believe I was a great radiologist and I know that the clinicians highly respect me. My patients really loved me, but there isn't anybody else that I knew of at that time doing what I wanted to do, which was to educate others in essentially self-care. So that was the fork in the road. And that was how this, this came about. And, and what, what were the obstacles at the time? The obstacles as to which piece? As in, you've, you've, you've decided to educate people into self-care. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it, were, were the obstacles more in, internal within you or sort of the external cultural environment? I, I guess both. Yeah, I, you know, I was fortunate that my husband was still working full time. So yes, it was a big cut in our income when I decided to pursue this. And it was going to cost money because I needed to obtain certifications and it was going to take a lot of time. But um, I was very fortunate to be able to, to do that. So the only obstacle was dropping my doctor ego and, you know, really dropping that I'm a doctor. <laughs> I'm a doctor. I should be doctoring. Um essentially. And there was a lot of, um, you know, there were lots of judgment from others. There were, there was judgment from other physicians, you know, what are you doing? There was judgment from my, some, some of my own family members, you know, you spent all this time and money into becoming a doctor. Why aren't you still doing that? There was a lot of judgment from myself which stem from their judgment. So it was just like lots of judgment happening. So I think that was probably the biggest obstacle was to start to really believe in myself and to believe that I knew that what I was doing was incredibly important and needed. And it didn't matter what anybody else said. And fast forward a decade later, look where we are. So my, my intuition and my insight at that time has brought us to this unbelievable situation that we're in with you know burnout and so on so in retrospect i do believe that i made the right choice yeah yeah well you know it's it's um it's a well-known phenomenon now uh um and it's um you know even even the regulatory bodies are sort of celebrating this this Mm. you know this horrible phenomenon which which you know speaks a lot about acknowledging the uh the systemic problems within it um but yeah self-judgment is a really big one it's it's Mm. um how 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 did you sort of overcome it i mean it's a long story and 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 and, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously you know it's a continuous pursuit but what what were the things that sort of helped you helped you to to move forward 
I would say the proof is in the pudding, as they say. So, you know, as I started to study more, so for those of you who might be listening, a yoga teacher requires a 200-hour base level of education, which is what I started with. And then a yoga therapist, which I had learned about, was there this field of yoga therapy, which is at least a thousand hours of training over a three-year period. And that allows you to take what you learn in the basics of yoga and apply it to individuals who have many different types of symptoms, illnesses, and diseases. And so I really felt like I was doctoring in a different way by learning what I hadn't learned back in medical school in this way. And while I was in that certification and then learning about trauma and studying that and studying meditation and studying these somatics and all these different disciplines, my own symptoms that I described to you, migraines, vertigo, dizziness, bleeding gums, reflux, pain in my body, you know, digestive issues, lack of sleep and so on, they all went away. Even the dark thoughts started to dissipate. So when I saw that not only was I feeling better just overall, but all those symptoms that I was taking all those pills for disappeared, it just gave me more and more credibility in my own judgment, in my own self, in my own, you know, path that it helped make all those beliefs of questioning and judgment, whether it be for myself or from others go away. And as I started to teach others and I saw the transformations that they were making in themselves, again, less and less negative beliefs, less and less judgment, more and more. Yes. More and more. Yes. You know, (laughs) keep going, keep doing, keep sharing. So I think it's, you know, our bodies are laboratories. I like to think about that. And we're just, I was just a science experiment. And as I was doing my own experiment and I was teaching other people how to do theirs and I was seeing the results um, that just, you know, put the stamp on, on what I was doing as being correct and right and to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, this is, this is something that we enjoy, actually, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, we like to uh, make mistakes in the sense that we want to see whether what we do actually works. And, and, and um, um, uh, you know, particularly when it comes, you know, if there's a mistake and it happens to you, then that's great and that's fine. And then you can sort of work through it. Um, so the pressure is off, so to speak, because I feel that in, in sort of Western medicine, there, there's this constant pressure that you've got to be 100% right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas maybe in other forms of medicine that there is, you know, you're, you're allowed to have this error happening. Um, did you get the sense of that sort of in, in the other form of medicine? Oh, yes. I mean, that fear of litigation, that fear of making mistake, that fear of hurting another person, right? The, the fear really is twofold. One, I don't want to get sued and have to go through all that. And two, I don't want to hurt somebody, right? So we don't want to make a mistake. We don't, we, you know, people are putting their lives in our hands and we want to be a hundred percent correct in everything that we do. And that is an incredible amount of pressure. And I had been named in a couple of lawsuits when I had diagnosed cancer correctly. But what happened was there was a delay in diagnosis because the patient didn't come back for additional imaging and so on. And I was eventually dropped from those cases. But what that does to your brain, which then what that does to your body, oh, it's paralyzing. 
And I remember that those cases were to time again before we had digital imaging. So for example, I, you know, you'd get a deposition in the middle of work. I don't know if it's the same in your country, but in the US, you know, somebody walks in in the middle of your, I'm doing biopsies and Dr. Tiger come out into the waiting room. Someone's here to see you and they hand you papers and oh my goodness. And you have to continue doing your work the rest of the day. Um, and because there was only one set of films, for example, a mammogram, the opposing counsel, the opposite, the opposing counsel lawyers, the patients, lawyers have the films. I remember one time having to wait 30 days before I got my hands on the films to actually get my eyes on that and say, oh, okay, no, 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 you, you actually were right. Your, your report said that there was something here and the patient needed to come back, but, but they just didn't. And two years later, they have a cancer, you know, that, that's metastatic or something. So it was just, oh my goodness, so much stress. And then what does that do to your human brain? Well, you have to go into work the next day and go into work the next day and go into work the next day and, and you know, try to overcome those thoughts of, oh, I don't want to make a mistake or what if I had made a mistake and, oh, that just plays with your brain. So it's very, very stressful. And the added stress of being uh, a couple, a physician couple where your husband is in the same practice and the fact that we have to be careful if we're on the same case or you know, if our name is on the same case, oh boy, there's, and we can't talk about patients. So, because we have to abide by all of those rules. So it was, it's very complicated. So having all of that lifted, I have to tell you, honestly, was, was a big relief. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. I mean, uh, 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 I don't know how that, that, um, feels, or I've never experienced that, um, mm -hmm. You know the added pressure. I mean, relationships are difficult per se, um, and it takes a lot of effort to to maintain a relationship, particularly when you're uh, in the medical profession. Uh, I can't imagine how it, uh, what it's like when, you know, all that strain on top of the the relationship. Yeah, it. You don't even realize it when you're in it. You realize it when you're not in it anymore, and you're like, wow. That was heavy. Like, I didn't realize how heavy that was <laughs> to have all of that lifted. Yeah. And and it's the same with the children as well, you know, seeing, you know, because they can sense that that mm -hmm. that heaviness as well. Um, so that must have been a relief for them as well. Or, you know, it 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 could cause other dynamics, which God knows, you know, what it causes because we're so complicated. <laughs> Yeah, and you, you're spot on with the children. I remember, and my kids were really young at this time. I remember my daughter saying to me, mommy, I like it when you look at me when I talk to you. It's so much better now. And I was like, wow. <laughs> oh my, okay, well, that's not gonna happen again. I am gonna look at you when I talk to you from now on always. You know, I didn't realize that I wasn't. Um, yeah, Just I mean, it, worried about the next thing, right? Worried about that next moment, that next thing, and not really being with what's in front of you. So yeah, I mean, it needs to come with a health warning, you know. You know, when kids are born, it's like you know, your parents are doctors. You know, <laughs> there's a big health warning. <laughs> right, there should be a tag on us that they have yeah. to read. <laughs> <laughs> Excuses when these things happen, and you know, there's sort of a hundred uh, reasons why they should, you know, be patient with us, so to speak yeah 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 and and um in in 
in terms of the gym, um, did that continue? Did that change? What 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 happened with your gym life after you found uh, you know the the Eastern way of living? Yeah, it hasn't changed. And I'm really a combo of East and West, really. I think I just added the East to the West, you know, Um, but uh, the gym hasn't changed. I believe in physical fitness. It's incredibly important. It's just that it wasn't enough, right? So I needed to um, not only strengthen my body in the form of muscles and bones, but but strengthen the neural pathways, really create default neural pathways. I needed to really learn how to bring that parasympathetic nervous system up, really get that vagal tone going, really allow that stress response to come down and that relaxation response to come up and to work with my thoughts. So that thought piece came even later. So for many years, I really mastered um, you know, the physio, I'm still learning, but really mastered more about how to work with my own physiology. But I found that there was still some thought work that, that needed some work. And I had been involved in a, a coaching group um, led by physicians, female physicians for female physicians. And I really, really got to learn how to work with my own mind through life coaching. And I found that so unbelievably helpful that I went on to become certified as a life coach to add that piece, to add that mind management piece to managing of the body really and, and putting that together. And I felt that, that this piece had been missing for a while and it just created much more of a fuller offering in a way that I could help myself and help other people. Now, when you say mind managing, um, mm-hmm. could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so we have, what, 60,000 thoughts or so a day, probably more, and most of them are not not nice. (laughs) They're not nice thoughts at all, and lots of those not nice thoughts come back over and over again, and so really understanding how our mind works and, and that most of the time we're blaming how we're feeling on our circumstances, like, um, I'm really feeling angry because of this job right? I'm really feeling angry because of my boss is terrible. You know, I'm really, I'm really upset because, you know, my sister said this to me or something. And what we really come to understand when we start to do thought work is that what we're feeling is related to our thought about the circumstance, but not the circumstance itself, because you and I could be in the same job and I could think it's awful and you can think it's amazing. So the job is neutral, but it's what we think about it right? You could have heard my sister talk and you might think that she was kind in what she said. And I could think she was not kind. And so what she said, her words, that's a circumstance that's neutral. And we come to understand that the way that we feel and the emotions that come out of that all really stem from our thoughts, not the circumstance itself. And that's really the basis of understanding the thought work is that it's our thoughts, it's our brain, what our brain's telling us that determines how we feel and what our emotions are. And that in turn determines how we show up, you know, what we do, what we don't do and the results that we create in our life. So that was just like mind blowing, you know, like, oh my gosh, I totally do that. Yeah. I'm always blaming my circumstances and that's not what it is at all. So that's just the basics of what life coaching is and what thought work is. And there's a lot more to it, but when you can start to separate fact from thought, 
it's unbelievable. And yeah. your whole life shifts. Yeah. 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 I, you know, there, there, there's that sort of element of, of, of um, putting attention into, um, into the present and into the thought itself. And that, mm-hmm. that creates that separation. And you realize that there is, um, you know, another existence, so to speak, um, I, you know, outside your thought, which is, um, which is empowering if you think of it in that sense. Um, and it creates this sort of third space. Obviously now you've got sort of this, this, this metaverse and God knows what, you know, how that's going to change us in the future. But I mean, you know, it's sort of interesting times and, um, um, you know, since the pandemic, this whole virtual reality thing has, has, has taken over. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that sort of pans out. Um, I like to sort of, uh, you know, not sort of drag things on because, um, uh, you know, that's the way I am, you know, being a surgeon and what have you, you know, we, we can be a bit, <laughs> yeah. a bit, yeah, we are a bit abrupt sometimes. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I work with a lot of surgeons. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just ab- your brain. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it, sort of end of, end of operation, so to speak. So, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. now that, you know, burnout is, is, has, has become part and parcel of, of our profession now and everyone talks about it, everyone, mm-hmm. you know, to a certain extent um accepts it now um so um let's finish on this um yeah. you know what what are your three top tips to, to to physicians or surgeons who are you know still on the front line and going through the uh you know the current pandemic which doesn't seem to be disappearing anytime soon yeah great questions i would say first of all you're not alone you know that I'd like to normalize how you're feeling. If you're feeling anything that I described or even more or anything different, you're not alone. It doesn't mean it's okay, but I'd like to normalize this for you because when I was going through it, I didn't know that anybody else felt like I did. Secondly, I'd like you to know that you have the innate ability to control how you're feeling in any given moment. There's just this missing gap, this huge chunk of education we were never provided. You just have to learn it. And it's easy. You've done hard things. This is much easier than anything you've ever learned. You just weren't given the opportunity to learn it. And third, I would say that if you are really suffering, please reach out. You know, please reach out, ask for help. You know, if you're to the point where you're starting to wonder, if you even want to be here, if you do have suicidal thoughts, if you've thought about hurting yourself, please know that there are hotlines available and there are people that you can reach out to and get help. I'm wonderful. Here. Wonderful. I'd here. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, de- definitely. I mean, that was the thing that sort of helped me the most is, is, is knowing that, um, you know, I wasn't alone and, and there's help out there. And it made a massive difference to my um, experience of, you know, going through burnout and, you know, eventually suicidal thoughts as well. Um, so, and this happened about 10 years ago as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, yeah, there's a bit of a, a similarity there uh, between us. Great. Um, how, how can people get hold of you? What's, what's the best way, Robin? 
Yeah, they can reach me through my website, which is stressfreemd.net. I'm on social media, whatever your favorite social media is, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm there. So reach out. I'd love to chat with you, help you out. If you just want to say hi, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I'm here yeah. for you. Yeah, I mean, we we are connected on LinkedIn and, and you know, you're yeah. quite active on there. So um definitely reach out to robin and and i i I like to finish on this um what would your three top tips be to to robin who's about to start her um medical school placement or uh, education Mm. if i can go back i would say to have an awareness that you need to take care of yourself that that you can't pour from an empty cup, right? So you took an oath to help other people, but you need to help yourself first. And if you don't know how to do that again, reach out, reach out to me, reach out to someone else who's in this, this area, learn how to take care of yourself because you will be much healthier version of you and you'll be able to serve the patients that you want to in a much more effective way, in a much more joyful way. Uh, make sure you have fun, Yeah. right? Make sure you have fun. Like you need to plan that in because days are going to go by, days are going to go by every single day. And, you know, there are going to be days when you, you didn't have any fun and it could just be two minutes. You can jump up and down and sing. I don't care what you do, <laughs> but make sure you throw some fun into your day because we were born joyful beings and we, we're, we're born to, to enjoy our lives. And Let's see. Thirdly, hmm, I would say at the end of each day, count your wins and your wins could be anything. It could be that someone smiled at you. It could be that you felt the sun on your face and it felt amazing as you walked to your car. It could be anything, but count those wins because they're there. And you're going to feel defeated at the end of the day some days. And when you look back, there's going to be these little little pieces of your day that actually were really wonderful. So look at them, count them, write them down if you need to. And that will help you move forward. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robin. It's been a great pleasure. And um, I'll see you soon on the, in the virtual world. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. It was an honor to be here. <laughs>